And his name is John Cena. Welcome back, everyone, to the final, final, final block of music of the year, 2015. I am your host, Hill Robert. Robbie on the boards. Oops. <laughs> what no, wait, that's doing? perfect. I'm sorry. That is perfect. That is exactly Rob. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, coming back, I'm still Stephen Myring. Joining me today is still Caitlin Argeros and Mike Salvato, Coco host. We have waited a very long time for this. Not as long as last year where it took three and a half months. But, you know, we're 17 days at this point out of 2016. So, you know, music of the year is onish schedule. Uh, but we like to call it Rhythm Encounter Time. But, uh, we've waited so long to give our picks. And I, I forgot what mine were. Like, you know, I forgot them all. I, I, this, uh, I'm going to labor under the assumption that I didn't finally finalize my picks from a set of ten the other day. Ten minutes ago. But you're not not saying that you didn't labor to do that. That is accurate. The The moral of the story is that 2015 was absolutely stupid with good music. Uh, there was just so many different styles. And, you know, as always, there's remixes and stuff and arrangements that were great. Like, tons of them. I mean, like, look at that album, Materia, that I actually ended up not sampling. 
we'll have to find a way to get it on here somehow. I didn't end up sampling it. And that album was made in like three months. And that was like a 90 track Final Fantasy VII album that was awesome. So not even with arrangements and remixes, but just the number of soundtracks that were interesting and unique and doing all kinds of cool stuff was, to use a cliche, it was at an all-time high. But it's true. And being our free intrepid hosts, we waited till the end, as always, to deliver what we, we thought was some of the best. And at least for me, I am sort of operating under the assumption that these are not my favorite, favoritest tracks. These are sort of indicative of some of my favorite trends or just favorite kinds of sounds I heard in the year that aren't necessarily, oh, this is my number one favorite song. And in some cases, just because I listen to my favorite song so much, I wanted to make you all listen to something different. That said, welcome, Caitlin, Michael. Hi, glad to be here, as always. I am also glad to still be here. I haven't actually moved since last time. That's true, neither have I. And like, I'm, I'm making it sound as if this is an intro because I really want to talk up how exciting this is and how good the music was. And I'm just trying to get my sea legs back when it comes to hosting a podcast because it's been a couple of weeks. It's It's been a week. So uh, it has only been a week. All right, I have no excuse. Anyway, let's go ahead and listen to our music. I've been, I've been beating around the bush too long. Coming up first in our first block, Michael, I believe you had the first pick. And we're not going to skip it. What's your first pick? We're not going to skip it? Was <laughs> oh, that originally the plan? I'm afraid. I'm, I'm really afraid. Well, I thought about it, but, you know, I like it, like, so. Do you have, like, a button that you're going to push, and when you push it, like, the song just, like, flies down a hole into, like, a furnace and gets burnt up or something? Caitlin's you know, like... song deleted. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> yep. He has a button. This episode I, is nothing not but button. Steven's books. It's more like a lever. Yeah, I couldn't narrow down my picks, so instead of Caitlin and Mike's picks, I've just deleted all of theirs and replaced them with additional songs from the stuff that I liked. It's selfish, but they're in they're in on it with me. Well, we are now. Yeah, that's true. I didn't give you an option. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my first pick is... I actually just found out that this song has a name, because it's on one of those... And his name is John Cena! Yes. Sorry, that was... Internet, internet meme joke, but you said it has a name, and you. you I'm sure there is a John Cena somewhere in the game. That there has to be. Probably. I just hope it plays his theme music. RKO out of nowhere. That's not John Cena. I don't know anything about wrestling. Mike, sorry, I keep interrupting you. I picked Night in the Broom from Final Fantasy XIV: Heaven's Word. So this is one of the main town theme. There's actually four main town themes in yeah. the, in Ishgard. So it's pretty cool. There's a day and night and two parts of the town. So this is the nighttime theme in the lower portion of Ishgard. What's interesting, too, and we'll talk more about this, obviously, after we listen to it, but I really like that sort of all of Heaven's Word is based around these town themes in some ways. Like, many of these themes seem to come back up in other small stingers and motifs elsewhere, but we'll talk about how amazing Heaven's Word's music is probably again, because I think we've done it before after we listen. I had the second pick. I picked a track called Skyline from an upcoming... There's a demo out now, but it's VA-11, Hall-A, Valhalla, and it's... I think the website is Waifu Bartending, but it's literally... It's sort of a visual novel where you're playing a bartender in, like, a cyberpunk dystopian society, and it just... It has this really, really cool music. It's like Sega CD plus Snatchers plus anime from the 1990s. I don't know. It's awesome, but... That I picked the track Skyline, and then Caitlin picked the third track. From my 
favorite new JRPG that I love so very, very much, and it was really hard to pick one track on the awesome soundtrack to showcase, but I chose Skies of a Strange Land from Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel, which everyone should play. Do it. I am. Literally, I played it yesterday for a whole hour, which for me lately is like a thousand years. But before- Well, now we just have to get Mike. Mike has to play it now, and then we are all playing it. Yeah, but I try to convince Mike to play a new game like once a day, so I mean, my list is long. I've been really good about that, though. For a while there, I stopped buying new games, because I was like, okay, I'm going to play the stuff I have. And then I went and pre-ordered... What did I pre-order? Oh, Final Fantasy Explorers a few days ago. And a few hours ago, I pre-ordered Mario and Luigi. So I pretty much gave up on that. So I'll, I'll probably just pick up Trails of Cold Steel, too. Might as well. I convinced Rob to buy Trails of Cold Steel. And I think he will like it, but I'm... At least 10% convinced he's going to, like, get on the show and just be like, I hate it, Rob! But that doesn't, that's not how Rob acts. Rob? Rob? No, that Rob would never do that. What Rob would do, though, is push the show along. So, coming up, we've got Night in the Broom, Skyline, and Skies of a Strange Night. Thank you. 
it's funny. I want to call A Realm Reborn the original Final Fantasy XIV now, which basically just let's just it, call it that. Let's Probably call it that. It. Yeah, just pretend the other one didn't happen. Vanilla. Yeah. Anyway, so in A Realm Reborn, one of my favorite, actually my favorite town theme was the night theme in Ulda. And I think we all have different favorite town themes, but this one, I think... But Ulda is the objectively right one, correct? <laughs> well, this one's a little similar, I think. It's it's really heavy on the, the piano, and I don't know, it's still very different. But I, I think it's kind of interesting that I went from, you know, here's my favorite town theme is this nighttime theme this one and in the expansion oh it's still a nighttime theme in a town it is a really good song though they knocked the piano out of the park with that this one was arranged by what was the name of the artist oh gosh i can't yukiko remember takara yeah yukiko takara um so it was so can compose this one uh but the arrangement here is just fantastic the piano they get 14 does such a good job with especially their night themes because their piano performances are so good and I don't know what it is, but piano just has that tinkling evening starlight sound. And Ishgard being the best city because it's a snowy city that looks like something out of FF12 probably has a factor in that too. But both of the, well, not both of the themes, but all four of the themes, gosh. Yeah, all four of the themes in Ishgard, and especially this one. I, I You guys keep telling me this one's not my favorite, and it's been a while since I listened to the other one. But this one's awesome. And a big part of it is that very tender piano that's just like... It makes you just want to be in town and like do stuff. And it's interesting how much of a different feel that piano brings to the theme of Ishgard. Because it's the same theme, but if you are in foundation during the daytime, it's a really different feeling. It's a much more imperialistic feeling. But this is almost kind of light and airy and happy almost in a way. Whereas mm. the main theme is more sounds more oppressive and minor and kind of so and it's interesting to sort of switch you know daytime we kind of associate daytime with like brightness and there's the sun and everything and nighttime is darker but here it's almost the opposite the daytime theme is kind of more serious and this is a little bit lighter and sweeter so it was a cool juxtaposition there lighter and sweeter is a good way to describe it but it's just you know Again, I haven't played in a while, but there's a reason I so fondly look at the game. And like most games, it's because the music is awesome. You know, I, I tend to, you know, everyone here knows I am. I don't have to explain. But, you know, again, 14's town themes are just dynamite. And I think part of the, the great benefit Heavensward had in all aspects of the game, not just the music, but also the music, uh, was that they sort of weren't tied down by any of the 1.0 stuff anymore in terms of like, oh, we have to give a reason why we nuked the planet because you know the game was terrible so they sort of had all this legacy material left over with that they had to work with and not that Silken's music was not totally original but there was a certain we have to get this base game right so you know they they stayed in a particular kind of tone for all the music in in a, a realm reborn which was all great great music but this is the first time i feel like Silken had free reign to kind of just do whatever he wanted and it's, I would, I, I think Heavensward has an even better soundtrack than Vanilla Final Fantasy XIV. You know, the, the consistency of motif between town themes, event themes, dungeon themes, battle themes, like it's all so connected, much like one of the songs I picked in this podcast, that I can't, I can't listen to anything from Heavensward and not just be like, yep, game's awesome. I know I have a hard time talking about it sometimes, ironically, because if you've seen 
any of the reviews for all of 14 music reviews game reviews i i write way too much about the game so whenever i talk about it i, I come on here and i'm trying not to repeat myself are you saying you use all your material elsewhere and then don't bring your best here because well no because i haven't reviewed the soundtrack because the soundtrack isn't out till next month figures but i still talk about the music in the review of the game and i don't know where i was going with that probably nowhere what I am interested in is where this arranger came from. Because I, I looked her up real quick because I didn't even realize that this person arranged a bunch of songs on Heavensward. And the only thing that she's credited for is Heavensward, the Heavensward games. So yeah. I wonder if she's just an up-and-comer of some sort. Maybe. Maybe. But this is a good start. Yeah, we'll have to look more into it. Because she composed uh, three of the tracks on the Heaven or two of the tracks on the Heavensward soundtrack as well. Um, I don't remember which parts of the game they're from, um, and the titles don't really indicate that. But yeah, this, I mean, unsurprisingly, stellar effort in the audio visuals for FF14. Yeah, pretty much everywhere you go in the game, there's some great skyline to look at. Yeah, like my house. Oh, wait. I don't have one anymore. Shout, that was your cue. Oh, I get it. Because uh, the song I picked is called Skyline. I tried. Uh oh. He did try. Well, maybe when I go to Valhalla, we'll make up for it. That didn't make any sense. Anyway, I really like that song. Um, like I said, I know I have other points of reference for this song, but the one that comes up in my head is just Sega CD, and I don't know why, because Sega CD is, even for a limited console like it, <laughs> implies a sort of broad number of things. But maybe it's more the sort of early 90s sort of first steps into CD audio and maybe I'm also sort of thinking of the visuals of Valhalla but you know the game just feels like an early 90s Sega CD visual novel type thing and it you know I talked about it on Random Encounter a couple of months ago it just it does a really great job of creating this sort of very specific microcosm of a world they tell you a lot about the world through this the lens of essentially a couple people coming into a bar and drinking with you, your bartender. And I think this song just really, really encapsulates that sort of thing. Like, I do feel like I'm watching, like, a 1990s cyberpunk flick where they're, like, you know, up at the top of a building, like, looking out over, like, the burning cityscape or something. I wouldn't say Blade Runner, because Blade Runner has sort of a different tone to it. This feels a little more, like, mechanical and alien, but not quite as dystopian, I would say. I mean, there's plenty of dystopian sounding music in the soundtrack, but... You know, particularly the midpoint of this song, when you get to like the, the part where it sort of gets a little more uh, fast-paced. I just, it really captivates my attention. Uh, the rest of the soundtrack is awesome. There's a track called Heart of the City that if you enjoyed this, I heartily recommend you go out and listen to that. Um, you know, you can listen to the whole album on Bandcamp and then you know, buy it to support the composer, Michael Kelly. Uh, this is just the prologue soundtrack. Uh, it seems to me like there's going to be quite a bit more for the full game. So if you like this you should definitely check out more of it. What do you guys think? Uh, well, I think it's interesting that you picked out the word mechanical for this track, because that's also what I was thinking. And I was specifically thinking that it reminded me a lot of the Mechanis Field track from Xenoblade soundtrack, which uses oh, sort of yeah. similar sounds to it's it. It's kind of like Mechanis Field. Isn't it? Yeah, like I was just listening to this and thinking, this kind of sounds like it, and I and that's like my favorite track on that soundtrack. So immediately I was in love. 
I love the... I pandered to Caitlyn in all my choices, so that way she'll back me up. <laughs> because I won't back you up any other way? If I don't, if, come on. Well, I mean, in terms of picks. Well, you know. Like, you know. I, I wouldn't want you to be like, well, I thought the song was merely okay. I am very partial to all things Xenoblade, so good choice in that in that respect. Um, I love the the synth keyboard. I don't know what it is that comes in like around uh, close to two minutes into the track that sort of does a counterpoint with the rest of the music and just bum 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 bum. That's just really cool sounding. I love it. Yeah, that that's definitely the part that strikes me as where I really get into the song because uh, the rest of it, you know. It's sort of a lot like with uh, Phoenix Wright tunes and 999 um, and Rampa, where I think it really frames the experience well. Uh, I actually think this is very good standalone music, though. Much more so than, you know, as an example, a track from I think 999 can be. Not that 99 soundtrack isn't great, and we've argued that, but, you know, just like the sort of the very distorted guitars that have this sort of cold filter over them, it really... This song feels like it establishes place very well. And particularly through that part that comes in, the, the we're both talking about the same part. It's right around two minutes. <laughs> I think, and I don't have a specific song as a reference, but it actually reminds me a bit of um, Deus Ex. Well, yes. Human Revolution, anyway. Yeah, no, I, you know, it that comes to mind, being cyberpunk and all. Like, I think, in my mind, I sort of have a different view of the, day, of the Human Revolution music. But I definitely think this sort of elicits a similar world's feel. Even if, I mean, to me, tonally the music sounds a little different, but I definitely agree that it elicits the same sort of world feel. Well, the instrument choice too, the sort of tech electronica sort of sound to it is reminiscent. I can see, Mike, how you, you connect it with Deus Ex and Revolution, because that was definitely a key element in throughout that soundtrack. That was definitely a key soundtrack, too. That game soundtrack is awesome. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and I can't wait for Mankind Divided. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome, Caitlin. This game looks really... I, I think I looked this up a few months ago, and I kind of forgot about it, but it looks really, really cool. It's very... It's. I know you said it's not really a Blade Runner, but, you know, I think if you do well, anything you know, in this kind of setting, you're gonna someone's going to compare it. But it's like a little bit of that, a little bit of Snatcher, kind of... Um, the characters remind me a lot of um, old fantasy star characters. Yeah, no, and absolutely. The interface, for sure. It has a very, like, 90s anime feel, which yeah. is the fantasy star feel, without a doubt. And as I just, well, we all just found out, I guess, but right before we came back, like, while we were off air, we were talking about the game, and there's a demo available, and for anyone listening, if you look up the game, apparently it's, like, five bucks to buy it. Like, you can pre-order it for $5, and you can get the entire soundtrack for 8 which is kind of a no-brainer if you're interested in a, as they call, a cyberpunk bartender action game. <laughs> and how which, can you say no to that? If yeah, if you're not interested in that, I can't help you. <laughs> on that related note, it's not related at all. <laughs> Wait a minute, hang on. I, I was trying to think of a segue, but I don't know how you segue from cyberpunk to... Much like the city, much like the city in Blade Runner, it's a strange land, and when you look out on the skies of it, you get a really cold, steely feeling. <laughs> Don't mm. Yes, although that's not what this track I think 
personifies. Actually, I think personifies kind of a very energetic, warm, adventure kind of feel to it. Pastoral um, is a term I would throw. It feels very like out in the country, helping farmers fight dinosaurs type thing. Yeah, and you, you get the rest you're, you're not at all saying that because that's that's what you're doing right now. In no, the I already game, did that. I already did that. I, already <laughs> did I froze a dinosaur solid and then blew him up and did 9,000 damage. It was awesome. Oh, that's seriously a quest, helping farmers kill dinosaurs? No, it was yes. a dinosaur. And they, they don't specify that it's a dinosaur, but when you meet him, he's called, quote, scary dinosaur. Which is not inaccurate. He is a dinosaur. Obviously not very scary if you blew him up in one hit. Well, it took a few turns for me to get to that point. I'm not afraid of anything. Okay, well, anyway. So this was kind of a last-minute pick for me, both for the podcast and for my my write-up for uh, our, our editor's favorites, because the game, Trails of Cold Steel, came out right at the end of the year. I had been aware of it, but I didn't really start getting hyped for it until like right before it was released and I played like an hour and fell in love and I immediately fell in love with the music which I don't know it's it sounds weird it's Falcom and I love Falcom music in these games but I've been lukewarm about the Kiseki music and I didn't really know what to expect going into this game if I was gonna like it or not and I really actually super super love it like it was hard to pick one track to represent like what is the best track on the soundtrack because i love all of it and maybe you know it has something to do with the fact that the battle themes are more like an ease game than than previous kiseki games so if you like ease music you will love the battle themes in trails of cold steel and there's some really awesome ones but this track is probably one of the most beautiful area exploration pieces um, on the soundtrack, there's some beautiful string work throughout the piece. In fact, there's a lot of beautiful string work in the entire soundtrack. But I just I love the uh, the beat in the background with the strings, and you've got some some keyboard work in there too. That's really cool. It's just a really nice kind of a blend between the more fantasy style laid back music from older Kiseki games and the sort of more rock fast-paced stuff you might hear in an ease game, which I think is a really good point for the entire soundtrack. It's got a nice balance between more action-y ease rock and, you know, more uh, traditional sort of like Kiseki music, which you might expect to hear if you were playing Trails in the Sky. So yeah. it's it's great for fans of both style of, of Falcom music. Yeah, you know, I even I, like I'm playing the game now and you know, I really like it a lot, and I think, uh, you know, it could have to do with the fact that I like the game a little bit more, but I definitely like the soundtrack quite a bit. Um, it has its fair share of what I would call Falcom music, which, to literally everyone else on the planet, is a great thing. To me, it's sort of a lukewarm thing, but there is a lot of really awesome music that I love here, particularly the battle themes. Um, and this song is actually one that I think I pointed out specifically to you when we were talking about the music. Because uh, I had just gotten to an area that played this, and I was like, oh, this is great for just running around in the green fields. And I also, I agree, I think it's very easy to make the comparison with the battle themes there. Uh, um, I see what you did there. Yeah, thank you. Um, it is sort of like a fusion of the styles that I know Falcom for, and again, I'm no expert. You should go back to our early episode with Tom Lipschultz from Exceed if you want to know about a Falcom expert. But, you know, it's just, it. I really like these kinds of songs that, have that sort of earnest adventuring feel to them. It is it is a nice thing to listen to. 
and you will listen to it again. Oh, it I'm comes sure. up again in, in chapter two, at least. So that's not the last time you will you will hear it in the game, which is a good thing because it's so good. I agree. So is it? Is there even an overworld? Like I don't know how the game is set up, but it, it has no. that kind of like adventure, wild armsy overworld feel. It's sort there of isn't... persona where the areas are all connected, hmm. but it's it's not like a you don't. You can take roads to get to certain connected areas, but like, you know, for example, the first time you go to this place, it's a town that's pretty far from the academy, so you take a train, and there are paths that lead elsewhere, but it's sort of, there's no world map, per se. That you can explore. There is a, you'll see the map, like, when you're in the train stations, you don't walk over it, per se, but you can explore around the towns, and this is one of the things that plays when you're sort of on the trails that are on either side of this first town that you go to. Gotcha. Well, I hope it's in the game a lot, because eventually, at this point, I'm sure I'm going to give in and buy it, thanks to you two. If you if you don't, Mike, I will buy it for you. Oh, great! I, well, I really will. Not only because you should play it, but also to support Xseed and say, please bring us more Trails games, please. That's wow. why I own a copy of Trails in the Sky too, even though I don't really like it. <laughs> because Xseed puts good work in, and you should support good work. They do, particularly yes. good work that took that much. Uh, agony on the part of the, the translators yeah no kidding yeah well, I applaud them for their dedication I really do yeah well I'm not one to like ask for charity but you know it's interesting that you say that because I did just add the game to my Amazon wish list so you know do with that what you will anyways this is a really good song I, I like um I, I'm trying to think of all the other stuff I'm trying to think of a segue to get off the asking for free stuff I'm not asking. She offered first, so like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not going to stop her. I'm not saying she should, but I'm not going to stop her. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to find yourself under the skies of a strange land where you wouldn't stop her. No, no, I wouldn't want that. That was a good segue, a little too late. I do like that we all struggled to come up with a segue between a track called Skyline and a track called Skies of a Strange Land. Did that on purpose, too. Mm. We don't want to be obvious, you know. We had to, we had to go for the unexpected. The obscure... No, I like the... Anyone who's listening to this has probably already read all of our individual, like, favorites. And if you have, then you know that I really, really, really abused our format. Because I could not limit myself to five albums, and I picked, like, 12. So, of all of that, though, all the different styles I found, I don't think I found anything that had... is it Whether it's violin or whatever the string music is in this that was as good as this song like this is one of the best like string heavy songs i've heard this whole year and there's more on like this is not uh an anomaly on the soundtrack this str violin strings are throughout the soundtrack it's so good yeah as billy mays once said but wait there's more and there is more because that's just our first block that is just our first block but i don't want to continue because otherwise we're gonna have a battle oh that was dumb Anyway, I picked the first track in our next block. Uh, it doesn't have a title yet because there's no official soundtrack release, but given Nintendo's history with releasing soundtracks, maybe they'll never will be. I picked from, it was released uh, in December in Japan. It should be out by the time this podcast is out in the US. Uh, Mario and Luigi Paper Jam, which is a fusion of two of my favorite RPG series. We brought up Mario and Luigi, I think at least once in our block with Salosi, Peter, and Marcos, but um, 
you know, at the time I had not had a chance to listen to the whole soundtrack. There's a great remix, or a great arrangement, I should say, of the Mario Luigi Superstar Saga battle theme in Paper Jam. And I, I got so caught up in that because I love that song so much. I think I've actually played it on the show before. I must have. Um, and, you know, how obscenely epic the final boss song is that I sort of didn't have time to dive in and check out the other music. But uh, so it plays the Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga battle theme until Paper Mario joins your party, at which point the game's real battle theme takes over. And that is this song, which is by Yoko Shimomura, because there's no way I was doing this without at least one track by her. But it's the instrumentation, everything is just, it's brilliant. Uh, we'll talk about it after, because I could go on for a while and probably will. But let us see if Michael can find us a hero in his track. That didn't make any sense. Just keep going. Okay. Just roll it. Just roll it. There, there was a really interesting trend that happened this year, and it was everyone acknowledging that Chrono Trigger came out 20 years ago, as of 2015. So all of a sudden there was four, almost five albums that I know of. There was probably more. Um, arrangements, remix albums, all kinds of stuff. And one of them was called Chrono Cinematica. Great one. A great one, although I don't see anyone really talking about it. So I don't know if it's... No one's really listening to it. I'm not sure. Well, we're going to fix that now. Yeah. So I picked Little Green Hero, which is, of course, a remix of... Frog's theme. Um, she is not green. Try, try again. I, I was just trying to... I was trying to... I was trying to work some flow in there. Whose theme is it? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's Frog's theme. Because well, he's you little and green and a hero. Yes, and you. The reason that interruption happened was because you lowered that guard, dark flying the enemy in. I just wanted to say that. Sorry. Frog theme. Yes. Am I the new Peter? Because in the first segment, like every time Peter opened his mouth, you, you had something to say. So now I feel I'm, like I'm the new White Thunder. Maybe I like both of you. No, you're a little green thunder. I'm a little green thunder. Not easy being thing. green, Mike. That's what I hear. Caitlin, you picked the third track, I believe? Yes, um, to surprise no one, I also picked something from Heaven's Word. Uh, I picked Imagination, which is, um, this is the theme that plays in the final story dungeon uh, in 3.0 uh, Heaven's Word, otherwise known as the Etherochemical Research Facility, or ARF, Arf for short, because that sounds so much better. <laughs> Is it really good? Well, I call it ARF. Actually, I don't know. I would think that people in the world would probably call it ARF for short because a theochemical research facility is kind of a, you know, tongue twister, but. Fair. Yeah. Anyway, it's an awesome dungeon theme that sadly you probably don't hear very often because it's not in any of the roulettes in the game. So, pretty much once you do it for the story, you don't really actually have a reason to go back unless you really like it. And you should. And I wish you could go back. In Final Fantasy XIV has taught me anything is that no one does anything unless they get something. Well, other than you guys. Unfortunately, sometimes. Sometimes, not all the time. True. On that cheerful note, let us battle with a little green hero in our imaginations.
so I was trolling for Mario and Luigi Paper Jam tracks because I had an inkling that I wanted to include one. And, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit on the last show. The final boss song is silly epic. The Superstar Saga battle theme remix is awesome. But I wanted to use an original piece from it uh, that I think probably captures the tone of the game a little better. Because not that the final boss songs aren't usually super epic in Mario and Luigi games at this point. It's actually, I feel like, becoming a series tradition. Um, I don't feel like they always reflect the spirit of the game as much as some of the other tracks. And this battle theme really reflects, reflects, reflects the sort of attitude that Mario & Luigi games tend to convey. This sort of, to quote one of the songs from the original Mario RPG, Happy Adventure, Delightful Adventure. This song just has that all over the, the layering is classic Shimamura, just the percussion, the drum pads, just, it's just really punchy and gets you excited and ready to fight, but it's not like a violent song. The, those games aren't about violence. They're so like, whimsically charming combat like you're sort of like bopping enemies on the head you know it's, it's mario it's mario and luigi but just you know it's the melody and like the tambourine after the first breakdown it just all i get the sense is this is a song about fun and those games are super fun so that's the point i get and when you get to the the part when it's like da, 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 like that synth part is just so awesome like it it reminds me of, like, the battle theme from Tarzan's World and Kingdom Hearts, but it's so well-produced, and the layering is so complex, the percussion's so good, there's clapping, there's tambourine, like, this is just an exciting, fun song uh, that is easily one of my favorite battle themes in that entire series now. Like, I was sort of lukewarm on the Dream Team, the Bowser's Inside Story, the Partners in Time, all of those main battle themes I was sort of lukewarm on. Like, I never felt like they were as catchy as some of the other material in those games. But this song is just infectious in how fun it is. Actually, you, you said everything I wanted to say, especially about the how it references the opening track from Super Mario RPG, because that's literally what I wrote down. The, um, the bass line sounds almost exactly like that at parts, and that was like, that was a really cool moment. It's like, this is taking me back to my very first RPG of all time. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's, you know, these games, one of the complaints about Dream Team is that they sort of handhold and maybe are oriented towards a younger audience, but, you know, there's something about that adventure that's very, like, Disney-like in its universal appeal, you know? And another thing that takes you back on it, too, is that these are the same drum pads. Obviously, the instrumentation is better, but this is the same drum pad that backs the Superstar Saga battle theme that just, it's such, it's inextricably linked to that series for me now and the use of it here is both one of the benefits of having Shimamura composing this series for as long as she has. In summary, Shimamura is still awesome and I am correct for her being my favorite. Mike, do you have any thoughts? Can't disagree with that. <laughs> you know, what was your um, your track before this? You had Toad Town from one of the... I uh, yeah, so Multiplayer 2 Co-op and a range album that came out this year had a cover of Toad Town from Paper Mario 1, uh, which is wonderful and great, but I swapped it for this because it's newer. Yeah, I had notes for that, assuming you were still going to use that, and I was going to rewrite all my notes when you changed this track, but I ended up leaving my single note for that song, which was, in all caps, Endless Cheer. 
Yes. <laughs> that was my entire note for Toad Town, and then I decided it actually kind of still works here. I love the battle themes in the series. Well, all the music, because it's so lighthearted. Yeah, you know, like, RPG battles are not generally known for their lack of violence. No, no, for sure. And I don't remember, I haven't played Superstar Saga in a while, so I'll take your word for it that it's reminiscent of that. Although I definitely got some stuff in here that reminded me of, you know, Mario RPG. And I love that. I love that there's still certain motifs or instrumentation or something. And when did Mario RPG come out? 95 or something? Wow, yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just love that, while that ago. they've still carried that through all of these different games. Yeah, like, you know, and part of that is, again, that you have, you know, the same composer. Shimomura doesn't do the Paper Mario titles, I don't think. I don't think she's done any Paper Mario games. But, you know, she has handled the Mario and Luigi's and the Mario RPG. And, you know, it shows. She knows what sound is being sought after in these. And I think it's just, it does. Endless Cheer is the, a, good, a good note to leave it on. But but the show's still going, right? The show is still okay. going. The show must go on. Yes, and if you lower thine guard, thou flying the enemy in. I'm sorry, come again? That line, that's the first line that Frog says to you in Chrono Trigger. It's when he drops down, he goes, lower thine guard and thou allowing the enemy in. Oh, no, I got the reference. I just wanted to hear you say thou again. Thou <laughs> Well, you go first on this one, because I probably have a lot to say, and I'll just ramble. Uh, well, for starters, I love this album. I've listened to it. You know, uh, I keep wanting to say expressions in Japanese. That's how used to it I am at this point. I've listened to this over and over again, you know, while I'm working, or I don't know if we mentioned it, but the sort of crux of this album is arranging Chrono Trigger music as if it was going to appear in a film. Like in a cinematic way and so you have motifs that are repeated you have a lot of ups and downs playing around the main melody that you know theoretically would accompany beats in a movie plot um in a single scene you know this happens and this happens and uh you know frog's theme is so strong in terms of the melody i mean it's many people's favorite theme from that game it's so heroic and the title little green hero you know it's just it's Frog's theme is heroic. This feels like it could be the scene where Frog shows up and saves the day. I love the way it is arranged. Again, that sort of up and down of, you know, the ebb and flow of a scene. And most importantly, I really like the sort of hint of danger at the end. Uh, because it makes sense thematically. that You have this hero who has a little darkness behind him. Because the person he has been hunting, and presumably really wants to kill if you play the game the wrong way, Magus, his theme gets hinted at in the end. It's sort of tinging this theme with a little bit of the tragedy of the fact that this man was turned into a frog. But spitting that the direction of the album is to sort of rearrange it as if it were for film, because my big note is that this actually reminds me of a film in particular at about a minute 30 in, it really gave me uh, how to train your dragon vibes. <laughs> like, I am not I'm, not, I'm not even kidding. I was like thinking this could be in How to Train Your Dragon. It had the sort of similar sounds, even similar instrumentation, uh, similar, the sort of, um, I don't know what it was. It was a, a flute or some sort of wind instrument having that sort of lilt, a lilting melody to it that was spurring me a lot of the introduction to How to Train Your Dragon. So very random. I don't know where that came from, but it was like really super strong and it felt like it could fit in a movie. That's interesting. 
I've never I've never heard the How to Train Your Dragon score, but uh, that's good that you got the movie vibe from it because the I'm sure the composer would be excited to hear that the goal was accomplished without any context. <laughs> Mike, what do you think? I'm glad that everyone got that. Like I picked up on that too, and well, I guess it's not really a secret, but I do like that this could definitely be a movie or let's say they redid the game in like a modern day and HD version, which of course would mean there's cutscenes and I, I really think this kind of music, this take on the music would work in that sense. Although thanks to Caitlin, now I just want DreamWorks to make a movie out of it. I'd watch that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, that'd be great. You're welcome, DreamWorks. You, you can send a check to me, you know, just sign, sign out to Caitlin Argeros, you know. Leanne Cazarel on the boards. <laughs> yes. Saw that one coming. You should have. Well, let's Call use our Netflix. imaginations and imagine a Final Dungeon theme that is more epic sounding than imagination from Final Fantasy XIV, Heaven's Word. Yeah, I, I got I got nothing. That was my attempt. <laughs> um, so anyway, I... This is, not my favorite piece on the soundtrack, which don't take it the wrong way. Everything in the soundtrack is awesome. It's hard to pick one, but I picked this one specifically because I think it's a great representation of how thematic the Heavensward music is. Um, we've talked about it before, about how they establish themes and then they get used later on, like the, the Ishgard theme gets used in boss themes and uh, there's one piece that I really like that gets used in the uh, the safe zones when you're out in the world. And Imagination is really cool because it starts off with the the song Heaven's Word, which plays in the intro movie and in like the first area and dungeon that you're in in the game and in expansion. And then it transitions to, I don't have a name, we don't have a name for this track yet, I just call it the rescue mission music because that's the only way I can think about it now. But it's really cool how it works it into one piece and to sort of, you know, go smoothly from one to the other without it sounding weird. And that's really, the entire soundtrack does this. I mean, almost every piece references a theme that you hear somewhere else in the game and it really helps create the feel of this is a connected world. It's not just a, a selection of different sounds. These are, this is music that could almost be, it could work in a film, it could work as part of a, a symphony almost because it kind of it references itself constantly and i thought it was really cool um how it uses the the rescue mission music in particular because the last part of the of the loop where you have this really sort of epic sounding chorus going singing sounds kind of dramatic and all and i at first, I couldn't place it. I thought it was the Ishgard. I thought it was something to do to reference the Ishgard thing because of how dramatic it sounded. But then I realized it's the very first portion of the rescue mission music. And the chunk before that is the end of the rescue mission music. So they flipped it. And they also kind of threw in an Ishgardian-like variation with the, with the sort of dramatic cho uh, chorus at the end to sort of connect everything, because this is the last dungeon in the game where you're going to end up meeting the bad guy and kicking his butt, and it was nice to have all of those themes referenced as you're taking that journey to get to that point. So, just a really good, cohesive soundtrack that I can't stop listening to. Yes, I agree. I... You know, recently, what with all the stuff that's come out and, you know, all the music of the year 
contemplation. I haven't listened to Heaven's Word as much as I did initially, uh, but I agree with everything you said. The cohesiveness really gets it. It's it's the really clever use of motifs because you have to imagine. You know, I'm not a musician by any means, but there there is an approach to writing music where, you know, I'm sure there's the I made this song, then I made this song, then I made this song, and you know, you go back and work on them, but you know, you largely complete your songs, and you you work to make them cohesive, but you know, you move on, and I feel like this one, this soundtrack could not have been created without. Soken and Co. sitting down in advance and working out their themes and figuring out how those were going to web together. And again, you have this whole story that's being developed by the rest of the development team. So there had to be a huge amount of collaboration in terms of planning for like, okay, so this is going to be the Ishgard theme. This is going to be the Heavensward theme. In this song, we're going to loop back to the rescue mission theme because this is applicable. This was not composed in a vacuum of one song after another after another. And again, you know, I've never composed a game soundtrack, so that that could not be the case ever. But it's especially evident here that there was an immense amount of planning and thought that went into how this soundtrack was going to work together thematically, and even within a single track of like, why would this song reference these other songs? What is the story impact of that? You know, in the way that Dismiss from Birth by Sleep references Terra's theme and Xehanort's theme for all these obvious reasons, you know. It's telling the story musically, and that's not an easy thing to do with a game as dense as Final Fantasy XIV, you know, with as much overhead in terms of how it's developed, you know. So, uh, I agree with what you said, and I have not made it here yet. I'm going to, and I look forward to it, because they can do finales real well with this kind of music. Yes. Boy, you guys had way better insights into the song than I did. Mine was just like, I really like this song. This is a cool way to end the game. It feel good. But I didn't really think about how many different themes it really brought in there and how it's kind of like, not, well, maybe recapping. Maybe recapping what happened, but just musically. But yeah, it, well, no, very, you know. Go ahead. I was just going to agree with you. Okay. No, I, I, it's a really fun, high energy, like, let's go stop the bad guys kind of song. But, and I miss it. I miss it. Like we talked about before, like this is one of those few things in the game where there's not really an incentive to go back again. So it's, depending on who you play with, it might be tricky to get a group together to do it again. But this is definitely, I think, one of the most fun things in Heavensward is this whole sequence, the dungeon. And it's also really yeah. cool to look at, too. Oh, it's really pretty, and it's oh, yeah. it's long, it's so you go through a bunch of different areas and see different things. Uh, the saving grace, I guess, would be that the the equivalent to this, I think, from 2.0 was Praetorium, which was a long, awesome piece of music that accompanied a long dungeon, but it was an eight-man dungeon, so it was even harder to get a group together to run through that, especially if you don't want to skip cutscenes. At least the good thing about Etho... Etho... See, I can't Arf. even say it now. This one, Arf, Arf, about Arf. Is that it's only a four-man dungeon, so you only need to find three other people who are willing to run through it. But if only I need three other people willing to run through it when I get my laptop back. If well, you know, at least two. That's true. And by extension, there's a third person who I'm sure would be happy if she's not busy. You're busy. We're all busy. That's true. We're busy picking songs for music of the year and doing awesome stuff like selecting the first song in the next block, Michael. Aw, oh, man. I was waiting for some segue. 
Yeah. It's nothing but an echo in the wind now. Okay, there you go. Thank you. There you go. So I picked Echoes in the Wind from... You know, I still don't know what these games are. I think there's some sort of dating sim strategy RPG or something. I, I, I have I, I have nothing for you. No? I, I know the composer. Yeah, I know the composer. It's All I know is if you open Steam, every few months there's another Sakura something. There's the swim team. There's fantasy. There's This is Sakura Fantasy. And it's that series of games you look at on Steam and go, oh, okay, I know who this is for. I have no idea. I know nothing about the games, but since I know Zach Parrish, I'd listen to it and suddenly here it is on my Music of the Year picks. Um, Good selection. I, now, yeah. uh, Zach Parrish uh, has treated us well with music over the last few years, what with Valda's story and so on. And some great arrangements, too. I was I did not know much about this project before you picked it, but or this game before you picked it, and I will keep my comments until after we listen. Well, I had the next pick, surprising no one, I'm sure, least of all the two of you. Uh, I picked something from Xenoblade Chronicles X. What? Cuz I I had to, but rest assured I picked the most epic piece on that entire soundtrack, so the pressure's off the rest of you guys. I picked Theme oh. X. Yeah. That, no, 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 not that. Oh, that's its own kind of special epic, help. <laughs> oh, yes, epic. No, so I picked Theme X from Thunderblade Chronicles X, which has a theme called Theme X. Yeah, and it's a really kick. I was about to say kick ass. Word. Oh well, fine. Can, if you can, can say, say it, it's a kick ass theme. That's so not from the film Kick Ass or the comic book Kick Ass, but kick ass in that it kicks. Posterior. It kicks musical ass. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> if you do that, you're going to have a bad time. Which is not what happens when you listen to my final pick of... Wow, music of the year. Go figure. Crazy. <laughs> anyway, I picked a song from Undertale because I love Undertale now. And, you know, even before I finished the game, I was really high on the music. In fact, that's probably why I finally decided to give the game a chance was how much really, really solid music I was hearing. And not just solid, but like melodically complex and interestingly put together with instrumentation. Just really, really good material. And the dominating philosophy on the internet at this point is probably going to very quickly become hipster hate on the game because anything gets popular and everyone's going to hate it, especially since this beat Ocarina of Time and GameFAQ's meaningless game, best game ever poll. Uh... There's a lot of people on the internet now who hate this. You know, it's a... But you're all wrong. You should play it. Anyway, uh, if you like Earthbound, you should... You will, Undertale is modern Earthbound, and it's actually fun, unlike Earthbound. So, you know, it has aged well. Not so dumb on Earthbound, but... Anyway, I digress. I picked the song Asgore from Undertale, which I'm not going to tell you because you guys have not played the game. And I highly recommend people do not spoil anything about this game before playing it. Uh, part of the experience is discovering it. And that is, it's more applicable than ever. I would definitely say, in particular, Caitlin, don't, if you ever play it, please don't spoil it because the story is phenomenal. Um, hey, I don't intentionally spoil anything. Shut up. You spoiled Xenoblade. You watched the whole game on stream before you played it. <laughs> I the, think he means spoiling it for one. yourself. I'm oh yeah, yeah yeah no not for other people i mean 
you know, because I'm gonna, I actually do think both of you would find it to be a, quite a good game, but we'll talk about that in Random Encounter, I don't want to take up too much of our time here. But anyway, uh, musically, the game is phenomenal, um, and this is one of, when I was first getting into the game, this was the song that sort of made me go, oh, what the heck? And then I listened to, like, a million remixes of this song, because there's a lot of really, really good remixes. So, it's actually two tracks. Basically, when boss battles start in the game, there's a little stinger that plays, like, before the battle itself starts. That's sort of a truncated version of the theme that is usually modified a bit. And then the main theme of, of the thing. So, in this one, uh, this is a combination of the song, which I'm going to mispronounce, Bergen which is some crazy German word, uh, and Asgore. And that's what I picked, and I talked a lot, so I'm not going to dally any longer. Let's take a listen to Echoes in the Wind, Theme X, and Asgore.
been a big fan of Zach Parrish's work since Valda's story, which, you know, a whopping two years ago, whatever. But, uh, you know, he has a really interesting, I, I'm going to ineptly use the word soundscape, but it always feels very, like, vast, as if it's like this very sort of echoey, a lot of resonating in his music. Um, that's not a great explanation, but it just, when it was in Valda's story, it reminded me of, you know, underground parts of the world. He's got really strong piano and synth. There's sort of a... Not that there's not warmth to the music, but there's like an iciness to the piano that I've always really liked in his style. And with no context for this game other than two girls jamming their boobs together, I can't comment on how this impacts on the story. But the this, this song is really great. And again, it's that sort of the strings that I really associate with Zach Parrish that I just really like uh, about this one in particular. I, I really like the piano. It's a very pretty, gentle, it's not super pronounced, you know, with the rest of the, the instrumentation. So it's kind of, 
it kind of fits the the name echoes because it's sort of it almost feels like it's sort of echoing in the background there but it's just this really pretty gentle piano that is sorry i i i'm a big fan of piano in general so it's kind of like that stands out to me me too no i i agree it seems like it's echoing off of a wide hall like i feel like a lot of his works has that quality to it i'm so glad that i sent you that image that I randomly found of the game. So you had a good visual to reference there. I mean, I'm not complaining about the visual, but I'm just saying that it's not much to base myself off of in terms of critiquing music. Right, right. Yeah, like I said, I'm not totally sure if I was going to play a visual novel that I would go in this direction. Although I do really like the music here. But Plus, you're already playing a visual novel. Am I? You're playing Phoenix Wright. Yeah, I'm technically playing 999, but... I don't know if that still counts because I haven't touched it in so long. But, How long is so long? Uh, Never mind, you're just going to disappoint me. I don't yeah. want to hear it. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, I, I wanted to say that this is really good background music, although I don't want background music to sound like an insult. But whenever I pick this up, I think I was just on Bandcamp buying stuff and I saw that Zach had a new album out, so I said, why not? Knowing nothing about the game. And I've listened to it, I think, a few dozen times already. Because I found out that even though this is a really good song, I wouldn't really say this is my favorite on the album because I think they're all pretty much on the same level. There's a lot of really good piano. It's a lot a lot of really interesting mellow music. And what I found out this year is that it's really good music to put on while you're working on stuff. You know, whether I'm doing sight stuff or something else, that I, I listen to it a lot because it's really nice it's peaceful i don't know it's just it's good background music that doesn't get in the way it would sound good in a skyrim actually in a skyrim in an elder scrolls game i you know i have it on in the background as we're talking and i really it reminds me of like playing morrowind like at nighttime like just walking around stabbing crabs <laughs> as one does as one does yes yeah, too many crabs. If if you like the piano in this one, Caitlin, you should probably listen to the rest too, because there's a lot of good piano on the whole soundtrack. Yeah, and Valda's story, if you haven't. Although I assume at this point you might have heard Valda's story on the podcast. Yes. Well, I've got a bunch of soundtracks I need to listen through, including the Sucker of Fancy Fantasy. So uh, just it'll be my accompaniment for when I'm grinding through stuff in 14, because that's that's what I do now is I listen to other music while I'm doing stuff in 14. We've been talking Not about that, music in 14 is, but you hear it for 10,000 hours. You get tired of anything. Well, yes. especially when the stuff I'm doing is like, I love the Heavensward music. If I was running Somal over and over again, I wouldn't be listening to anything but Somal. But um, doing the older dungeons, some of them, you know, those those dungeon themes get a little old. So Yeah, I can see that. You know what doesn't get old? Theme X? Taking your first step into Mira. This should have been... The song that plays in Primordia. I like Primordia's theme, but I, I would have loved if this song played while you were running around Primordia. Yeah. It, this it, song is lovely. It is. Um, so the story that I have with this is that I forget which E3 it was, but one of the one of the first E3s where you actually got to, to see Treehouse sort of walk through, demo the game. They demoed this early portion, running through Mira, getting to New Los Angeles. And they showed that intro cutscene that is your first introduction to New Los Angeles, where this theme plays for the first time. And I remember 
uh, playing that section over and over again and having the volume turned up way loud, like louder than I should have, and hearing they're, they're talking all over it and that their voices are very loud, but I had it turned up so loud because I wanted to hear the music because it was so, so good. That was how much I loved the music as I was possibly giving myself um, hearing damage from turning the volume up too loud just so I could strain to hear the music. But it is such a really good, epic theme. And you don't even hear the full theme in the game during that cutscene. They cut to specific parts in a way that works really well. But it's just the opening, even like the first few seconds are really cool uh, with this, this sort of a reverb effect going on with the music. And it's simple, but it still has this kind of, you know, sci-fi feel to it. And the main melody that kicks in about a minute or so through is really pretty. And I like how the, the beat kind of pulls back a little bit so you can really focus on that melody because it comes back later. And then the ending, I think everyone, you know, the, the last minute or two is, you know, the, where it really kicks in and you're like, this is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. It's like, this is, this is awesome, the theme, basically. That's the theme of Xenoblade, is this is awesome. This is awesome. Now go find me five Baphomets. And maybe take out a tyrant or two, and find some collectibles, and... Punch a dinosaur yeah. in the face with your robot. Yeah, I still need to do that one day. I think it's tragic that you haven't yet, and you have the robot to do it with. That's, that's disappointing. Which this song is not. Much like most of the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, again, I think the use of lyrics in Xenoblade X's soundtrack, we've talked about this before, I think it's pretty weak. There's an argument that I like to make is that lyrics are sometimes used not for the meaning of the words that they are saying, but for the quality of sound, the timbre of what they add to the song. And Xenoblade is a great example of that, because I hate almost all of the lyrics in Xenoblade X, but I would not want them removed from the songs because I think they add to what I'm hearing. Oh, definitely. There's actually... I mean, not, there's, their, not their lyrics in this song, but... No. But there's an instrumental version of Uncontrollable that plays in certain sequences, I think. Uh, some of the, I think, the post-game content and whatnot that doesn't have any lyrics. And it's still a really cool track, but it is definitely missing something because you don't have that melody from, yeah. from the singing. And I, I don't know. I'm, Actually, I'm kind be, of weird. To be fair, I, do, I do sort of like the lyrics in Uncontrollable. As it's lyrics. a good, it's a good song. It's an interesting. Actually, it's. I think I mentioned this when we featured it on our boss themes episode. There's an interesting juxtaposition there between what the song is saying, what the lyrics are saying, versus what you're doing. You're, you know. Well, yeah. It's basically. It sounds like it's a breakup song from between two people who used to be, you know, really into each other and then I don't know maybe they're trying to make it work at the end but it's kind of like why do you sing about that while you're fighting a giant monster I don't know probably for the same reason Sora sings about do I have to meet your father in Kingdom Hearts 1 <laughs> oh wow because there are words that have meaning and there are words that just sound nice I okay <laughs> I remember thinking to myself I don't understand why that was in that song hey at least KH2 made more sense uh, but, yeah, um, obviously I've been a big fan of the soundtrack and Sawano since we knew it was going to be Sawano. I've, I've been on board since day one, but even if I hadn't, I wanted to represent this game because I think it, 
this soundtrack took a lot of people by surprise. Like, it's different from the first game. People who know Solano might not be so much into it, and there's a lot of, you know, question of, is it going to sound right? Is it going to be good? Are we going to like it? And I think in the end, a lot of people really did find, hey, this is actually good music. It's weird, and it's not at all like the first game, and some of it is a little questionable. You know, we're stuck on a different planet, and uh, uh, in different places, but it was actually a really great soundtrack. So I had to represent it. Well, you did well. And I was expecting you to represent it, which is why I didn't pick something from it. Yeah, same with me. Yeah, if you're going to pick one song from this game, I think this was the track to pick. That's why I picked it. Well, also, there's the other, like, six that we've probably already played on the show. But that's yeah, not the yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That I also picked. picked. for now. That <laughs> you also picked. <laughs> I will I will, I will. will try and, and refrain from picking it for a while now that we've, you know, got the Music of the Year celebration mostly behind us. Yeah. You'll have to use a lot of determination to not pick another one. A lot of determination, which is a key factor in Undertale, which is the song that I picked. Oh, I didn't pick Undertale. I picked Asgore. So Undertale does a lot of really interesting experimentation with music and form. Um, that's part of what's so interesting about the game is that it's not just a, we told you an interesting story via words. It's how the form of the game is used, how audio is used, how gameplay mechanics are used to further the story in a sort of crisis core 999 type way. Uh, it's just awesome. But part of the reason is that the core set of melodies, there's about 20 melodies in the game that are just constantly reworked upon. And, you know, my my first two Music of the Year picks were Heaven's Word and Undertale. That's because they both have the same strength, which is that they have, A, powerful melodies underlying everything, but also that they play on those melodies so well. And that's true of this track as well. Um, but this one in particular is, to me, just a really great standalone song. There's, you know, if you listen to just the first few tracks in Undertale, you'll think it's a chip music album. And this one is fairly chip tuney, but uh, there's a lot of real instrumentation worked in. There's guitars, there's synths, there's, you know, a lot of non-chip sounds in there. Like, this one even has the piano in it. And that's why I think it's so good and how it experiments with form in that it's, it has these very powerful melodies that are then creatively told. So it's sort of like a poem in that you have beautiful content, but also the form in which you're presenting that content is also interesting and part of the process. And that's why I really like this song, is that the melody is really strong, but it also does a good job of sort of representing Undertale as a whole in the... You know, there's chip tune in here, there's a guitar, there's a piano, there's synth choir, there's all kinds of stuff. And again, the stinger at the beginning, uh, which I cannot pronounce properly, so I just say it like that. Um, there are a lot of cases where there's an interesting intro riff on the melody itself that plays before the song itself. And on the soundtrack, they're all there. There's a, a theme for a character named Papyrus, who is one of my favorite characters. And his theme is Bone Trousel. But there's a version of it uh, that plays before your encounter with him called Nyehehe, which is what he says a lot in the game. And it's sort of a goofy, like, spin on the theme that plays when you have your encounter with him. So uh, this is just one of many tracks that I really like that do that sort of thing. But mostly the biggest reason I picked this one is because I think it sounds awesome and epic. That's a good reason. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, I like, and I'm trying to say this without sounding like 
old guy who doesn't um, appreciate old games. Because I really do love old games, but I think what's interesting about this and a lot of... I think Mega Man 2. Mega Man 2 is a really good example that... Or anything back with memorable music. Is that there were so many limitations on what people could do with music in games. So it forced people to come up with like really catchy melodies because they only had so much to work with. Exactly. They had six channels or whatever. Right. Not that there aren't still memorable, you know, there's obviously a lot of good music now, but it's interesting how being forced to work within those limitations, the stuff that can come out of it. Because I would probably still argue that Mega Man 2 and 3 probably have more memorable music than any of the, like, whenever Mega Man, like, kind of stopped existing, but the newer games, like, I don't, I don't know, I don't remember that stuff much. And I think the same is true here, too, because they didn't have to limit themselves. I say themselves as one guy, but I think because he limited himself to making an authentic, like, retro-style game, it was the same thing. He was forced to come up with really catchy melodies across how many songs? Well, there's a, there's 101 songs on the soundtrack, or 102, and I would say about 22 of them are sort of the bass melodies, and then all the rest of them, oh, largely, there's a few, you know, one-offs, um, all the rest of them call back to that in some way, and for some reason. Um, there's a lot of storytelling happening in the background via the music, like character connections that aren't even mentioned in the script of the game, but are there that the music hints at. Hmm. Yeah, so I don't know the context like you, at least until I finally play the game, but that's what I got from this and all the other songs that you always send me and say, hey, or listen to this, <laughs> is that the melodies are very, very strong. That's why I like this one, too. Good. That's how I feel, too. I was toying with the idea of playing, you know, one of a million remixes, and I originally had two rock arrangements, like metal ones, that I really liked, but I wanted to sort of highlight more the original music, because I'm sure eventually I will play more of the arrangements on the show but uh you know i really wanted to highlight because i think again there's a lot of interesting experimentation happening with form here that, so i wanted to highlight the original music first i think that's another interesting thing about it just to go back to mega man 2 and there's a thousand remixes of Flashman stage because it's so simple and has a strong melody i think all of these songs are going to be a good base for who knows how long people are going to be remixing this game yeah there's there's a mess of arrangements of this game already just an insane i can't believe how many there are like on youtube like some random video has a link to someone who put their song has 200 hits and it's a remix you know so wow i imagine the nature of the the music really lends itself to that starting with that you know sort of retro sound really lets you experiment in a lot of different ways yeah in you know it, it could it could work the same way in reverse but i feel like having the bass be you know that simple and strong really creates you know the opportunity to, to make lots of different remixes and variations in lots of different styles even and that's good that is good yeah i really like the undertale soundtrack you know it was the thing i liked about the game before i played the game and also like that it's one of those things where it's part of the experience and undertale does a lot of cool story stuff and even the gameplay i actually more than i expected had fun with but uh there are some games that could get away if you took their soundtrack out and still be fun, you know, like, not that I don't love Dark Souls music, and I think it would be a lesser game without the music, but Dark Souls would work without its music. I don't think Undertale would work as well without its music because it's so tied into the experience and 
how you're meant to feel when you play it. So with that, I think I think that does us for Music of the Year 2015. This is our... We've been doing this for a while. Wow. Whew. I, in particular, before I say anything else, would like to thank both of my excellent co-hosts. Uh, the Music of the Year would not have happened this year without them. Uh, I've just been very busy and stressed and not in a position to organize to the degree that I have in the past. Not that I didn't have help in the past, but uh, I was ready to give up and disappoint everybody, and they wouldn't let it happen, so let's clap for them. Um, you guys have done awesome work this year, and both of you becoming a main part of the show was a good call. Oh, wait, I did that. Well, uh, good call, but more importantly, you guys, everything you've done since then has been excellent, so thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you, too. As I have said every year, music has gotten bananas. There's just a million things to listen to, and there's always something new to discover. And that was my trend of 2015, is I really tried to stretch outside of games that I've played, uh, which, you know, usually turns into me playing more games. <laughs> you know, part of the reason I started Phoenix Wright is because I heard the cornered theme, and I was like, oh, it's amazing, I better play this game, and that was worth it. Same thing with Undertale. Lots of games drew me in that way, but... One thing I really tried to do was listen to stuff that I would not normally listen to, and that, if I was going to make some sort of bold, sweeping statement at the end of our largest feature we do every year, it would be that I encourage our listeners to do that, too. You guys already do that, slightly, because I probably send you 10,000 things to listen to anyway. But to my listeners, our listeners, I would really say, push yourselves to listen to video game music outside of just the games you like. There's a lot to be heard, and I think you can really learn more about the medium by listening to something, you know, listen to a song done on the kazoo. You might not like kazoo, but challenge yourself to listen to stuff that's outside your comfort zone, because there's a lot to be gained from that. You know, and obviously the people who work hard on that music, there's a lot for them to gain from you doing that, too, because, you know, that's the benefit of this music is that there's, other than the amount of time you have before you die, which is a dramatic way to say it, but there's sort of no limit to how long you could listen to different kinds of game music and arrangements and remixes and all kinds of crazy stuff. So that's my my grand summation for the year is that there was a lot of really, really good music released this year. And part of the reason that music can happen is because, you know, people like us, people like our listeners, people who hopefully will become our listeners, people who don't listen to us but love game audio and make it, you know, without people who are that enthusiastic about it and that interested in talking about it uh you know there wouldn't really be a whole scene like there is now you know like things like louder and all these you know youtube channels of just people who record themselves being awesome on a guitar and playing it you know that's that doesn't happen unless there are people who listen to that you know within reason obviously sometimes you just do something for yourself but you know listen to lots of stuff that's my summation for 2015 listen to lots of stuff and be sure to join us in a year for 2016, where I'm sure it'll be even more difficult to pick there just will a few be, tracks. There will be a new Kingdom Hearts game released next year with new music in it, uh, 2.8 with the final chapter, blah, 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 stupid nonsense, whatever. I'm sure a song from that will make it on somewhere. Uh, so. And 15. Oh, yeah. So you can just look forward to more Yoko Shimomura for me. Yeah. You know, I think you should listen to things outside of your wheelhouse, he says, picking Shimomura every episode. But that's because she's perfect. Her work is perfect. I haven't met her as a person, but I'm sure she's great. But her work is wonderful, so you should listen to it. You have, because you listen to the show. But anyways, 
thank you again to both of you. Thank you to all of our listeners who listen to us all year long. You know, we have a great base of listeners that is growing, uh, and I, I encourage you to help more people listen. Um, but yes, thank you, listeners. Thank you to all of our guests, everyone from RPG Fan, everyone not from RPG Fan. Thank you to all of you for contributing. A shout-out to Retta, who sent your picks. I'm sorry I haven't had a chance to comment on them all. One of our listeners, Retta, always sends very, very detailed favorite tunes from the year, and I thought that deserved a shout-out. But, yes, I think that only leaves us with one more thing, which is the last track of the year. And I get to pick that one. Don't I? Do you? Yeah. Every so year. So what did you pick? What did I pick? Well, let's see. Two years ago, I picked Bravely Default from the concert. Uh, from Link to Horizons. Last year I picked Darkness of the Unknown, I think. Isn't that what I picked? Kingdom Hearts? I think I that's think what so. I picked. Yeah, that was, I make good picks. This year I waffled a lot. Uh, it was really hard to decide. Because I always try to pick something that's all super sappy and heartfelt or dramatic or in some way is feels like a nice capstone. You know, I use the final boss song from Break the Default. I use the final boss song from Kingdom Hearts 2. So, keeping in theme with what I'm currently obsessed with, I picked a track from Undertale. Uh, a very different one from the one I picked earlier. The title track, Undertale, which is a six-minute ending song. It is not quite the last song in the soundtrack, and it's not quite a credits theme, sort of. Uh, well, whatever. It's great. Uh, but I picked Undertale from Undertale, which is a sort of beautiful piano melody. Uh, it's not very chippy. Uh, it's actually sort of headed in the other direction of what I talked about. But I hope everyone enjoys it. I hope all of you have enjoyed listening to Music of the Year 2015. I hope Mike doesn't hate me for making this go on too long and the editing to be difficult because Mike is handling the editing. So make sure you write Mike an email and thank him for doing great editing. Write Caitlin an email for being awesome at everything. And write me an email. I don't know. Give me money. Whatever. No. Give me high fives. Tell me you like music. Tell me you listened to Undertale and you loved it. But anyways, for Mike, for Caitlin, for all of our various guests, and for everyone at RPG Fan, thank you very much for listening to Music of the Year 2015. Taking us out is Toby Fox's Undertale.
not eating green, is it? <laughs> <laughs>